I got, uh, I got up here early. That's good. So uh, we continue with our uh, sermon series on one another commands uh, this morning. And so far, we've seen uh, two lessons in this particular series. And uh, we've looked at particularly loving one another. And last week, Sean talked to us about not judging one another. This morning, what I would like to do is I would like to talk to you about a one another statement that, uh, in, that I believe best describes our love for one another. So the lesson for today is called serve one another. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And as we do that, um, I would like us to really think of, um, think of this concept as, uh, as a purpose for us as Christians. And in so doing, uh, we can ask the question, well, what does it actually mean? And also, what, how does it look like? What does it look like today in practice? So we'll, we'll, we'll look at the first thing that, uh, that, that we ask today is, what does it mean? And the scripture reading today, um, we'll, we'll just focus on that one verse. Uh, that one verse is Galatians 5, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So we're going to focus on this, and we're going to really understand what it means to serve one another today, the way that uh, Jesus intended for us to serve one another. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this uh, particular verse. We're going to just look at it and pick it out line by line. So let's start with you, my brothers and sisters. We're called to be free. What does that mean, that we're free? We, we, we hear it all the time. Christians are free. There is freedom in Christ. We have been liberated by God through Christ. But what does that really mean? Um, first thing is that uh, we are free because, number one, we have been freed from the law of Moses. Um, in uh, Galatians 2, verse 16, Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. This verse is literally saying that now, as Christians, with Christ dying to, for us on the cross, we have been justified by grace through faith. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. We are not justified by the Old Testament law no longer. We're free from that. The second thing that, we're, that we have been freed from is the fact that we have been freed from the guilt and uh, dominion and power of sin. In Romans 8, 1 and 2, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Doesn't matter what we did before we came to Christ. That's all forgiven and forgotten by God. No more guilt. Only what's forward, what's what we're uh, waiting for, the hope of eternal life in heaven. Another thing that we have been freed from is uh, found in Galatians 4, 9 to 11. We have been freed from the tradition of men. Man-made things we don't have to do anymore. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? 
You're observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. No more. We don't have to do that anymore. Now we have been governed by the law of Christ. Right? It's amazing. We are now set free. But the question is this. What do we do with that freedom? What does that freedom mean to us? Well, in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul told the church, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. That is one thing that we should not use our freedom for, is to indulge the flesh. But what does that mean to indulge the flesh? (coughs) Excuse me. Peter tells us exactly what that means. In in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, live as free people. You know, we've seen that. That's what we've been talking about. We're free. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Indulging the flesh means indulging evil. So we do not use our freedom to do whatever that is that we want. Freedom does not mean that, well, you've been freed. Now you can do whatever you want. It's totally, it doesn't make sense because we have been freed from sin. So if we say that we are free from sin and we keep still keep doing sin, then it doesn't make sense. So one of the things that we need to remember about our freedom is that it's not for, it's not licensed for us to sin. But Paul tells us in this particular verse, one thing that we need to use our freedom for. And this is where the paradox begins. This verse Our text today is a paradoxical verse. Verse that at first it doesn't make sense, but it does. Okay? So Paul tells us, rather, serve one another humbly in love. See, uh, service today, uh, I think it's because of the language barriers. It just, it just, when we say serve one another, it's just, it became, it's become soft from its original Greek intent. So this is the NIV, but the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, is uh, really, in my opinion, is really, really close to the original Greek. So I'll, I'll share that with you. Galatians 5.13 in the NRSV says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not your, use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. So this is the paradox. Paul is saying, scriptures tell us, We are free as Christians. There's liberty for us. Now that we're free, we need to use that freedom to be slaves to one another. You're probably thinking, what? That doesn't make sense. Slaves to one another? I can't be a slave to anyone. Because serving one another is like, it's, it's, it gets softened because it's like to us, to many of us, to me at least, when I, when I think about serving one another, I'm thinking, well, it's just helping one another, right? But it totally becomes different when you look at it at the original intent, saying, well, we need to become slaves for one another. So in essence, what this text is saying is that our slavery to one another is our freedom in Christ. We have been freed so I could, so we can serve one another as slaves. It sounds, it doesn't make sense, but you know what? This is exactly what Jesus did. And when we think about what Jesus did 
all of a sudden it makes sense that the master did it, the Lord did it. So we are to do it as well. Because we are his followers. Followers follow what the master has done. Mark 10.45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He served. That's what he came here for. He didn't come here to be served. He came here to serve. Exactly how? Well, look at this. Philippians 2, verse 7. He emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. That's what we've been talking about, right? Be slaves to one another. He did it first. He took the form of a slave being born in human likeness. He could have done whatever he wanted to do, but he chose to be a for all of us. Now, the second question that we have this morning is this. What does being a slave to one another look like? Now, this is the challenge that I had in preparing this. Is I really wanted to capture for all of us this morning what serving one another or being a slave to one another meant in its original intent. Not just helping one another, not just doing this and that for one another, but being slaves to one another. And then it came to me that it's really something that, 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 that is akin to loving sacrifice. And then it dawned on me. I have this really, like, one of my favorite verses about sacrifice is in Second Corinthians chapter 8, the first seven verses. Many of you are familiar with that verse. It's about giving. And I wanted to share that with you to appreciate what being slaves to one another looks like today in practice. As we see the example of the Macedonian churches as they gave, as they served, as they sacrificed themselves for the brothers and sisters. So let's just look at that. Serving one another, think about it, is really giving. Because when I serve, I give of myself. My time, my efforts, my money, my resources. So what, what does that look like today? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 7. Let's uh, look at the first two verses. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So the Macedonian churches are the two congregations in um, Philippi and uh, Thessalonica. So the Philippians and the Thessalonians, they were known for their amazing generosity. Why and how? Well, I'll tell you why. Because of the verse. The verse says it there. Because number one, they were in the midst of a very severe trial. Like think about Pat Long right now. Or Clayton at this time as well. Right? Severe trial. That's what the Macedonian churches were going through, right? Severe trial. And also, they were in extreme poverty, right? It's hard for us to understand or appreciate severe poverty at this time because of where we are. It's a, it's, 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 it's a good thing. We should be thankful for that. But severe, extreme poverty is, is tough. But then... But then they were known for their generosity. They gave excellently amid that. So the number one thing that we can say about the Macedonians in their service, in their giving, 
is that they did it sacrificially. Okay? Next, they did it with overflowing joy. The Macedonians, in their giving, in their service to one another, were sacrificial, and they were joyful. And also, we've seen it already, they were extremely generous. Can you imagine not, not having much, but then still being extremely generous? That's what the Macedonians did. So we can't say, well, you know what? Giving, that's for people who have. We can all give, regardless of what we have. Next, look at verse 3. For I testify that they, that they gave as much as they were able. And then he, he bumps it up a notch, right? And even beyond their ability. Before I read this verse, I thought, nah, you can only give what you have. <laughs> that was knocked to the curb by the Macedonians. They gave beyond their ability. I don't know how they did that, but they did. They gave beyond their ability. So it really accentuates this giving, this service that is sacrificial and generous. And, one of the, and, and as we go through this particular text, I want, you, I want us to really have it sink in in our, in our minds. What is it like to sacrifice and become slaves to one another? Being generous, being joyful, um, being sacrificial, even though it's really hard, even though we may not have much. And then look at this next one. The Macedonian church gave on their own, entirely on their own. So let's recap. They did it sacrificially. They did it joyfully. They did it generously. And they did it voluntarily. Nobody coerced them in doing this. Nobody said, well, if you don't give, you're not being good Christians. Nobody forced them to do this. They did, they did it entirely on their own. Now again, I want us to really think about our sacrifice to one another, our service to one another, our giving to one another. Is it like that? Okay? It's not over yet. This is what, this is what else they did. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. You know, sometimes when something needs to happen or we need something for someone, right? We ask the church, can, you know, somebody please, like, help someone or do this for this individual? And people will be like, yeah, I'll do it. And then it's sometimes, oh, yeah, I think this person is in a better position to help. That person, they have a lot of kids, or they do this, or no, they, no, no. We tell them, no, it's okay, this person's got it. But this person said, the Macedonian said, no, no, I insist. It's got to happen. Please do not deprive us from the privilege of doing this joy we want to help we want to share in this service to the lord's people they did it sacrificially they did it joyfully they did it generously and they did it entirely on their own voluntarily and now they did it persistently 
How is our service to one another? Is it sacrificial? Is it joyful? Is it all these things? Because that would mark being slaves for one another. I just want us to really think about that for a second. Sacrificial, joyful, generous, voluntary, and persistent. Serving one another is not just helping one another when I have time, when it's convenient for me, but real service, the real joy of giving comes when these things happen, when these things are in the mix. That has to define our service or our giving to one another. But the question is this, how do we do it? How can we do this? Well, let's look at the example of the Macedonians. Look at verse 5. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. That's the key right there. If when we decide to become slaves to one another, that is when we decide to give of ourselves to one another. That I do not belong to me, I belong to you. I am not just by myself, I am part of a bigger body, the church. I give myself to God, naturally I will give myself to you. And I love verses 6 and 7 in this particular um, text. Because um, in, in this particular text, Paul wanted the Corinthians to really think about being sacrificial, joyful, generous, voluntary, and persistent in their giving, in their service to one another. So he says in verse 6, well, you know what? We urge Titus. Titus is one of their uh, evangelists, their ministers. Just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace in your part. Verse 6 is essentially saying, well, Titus told you about giving about excellent giving, you guys are doing well, but we want this to be something that is permanently part of your congregation. Right? So he admonished the church in verse 7. And I want us to think about this long and hard. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see also that you excel in this grace of giving. Excel is the root word of this one word that I love, that we all love. Excellent. Paul said, you need to be excellent in your giving. He says, you know what, this church is, you know, you're known for so many things. Kind of like as individuals, as individual members of the church, right? We want to be good at things. Like when I was young in the faith, I wanted to be able to pray up here. I wanted to be able to lead a Bible study or preach a sermon. Right? That's all of our tasks. And, and here it says, well, you guys are good in faith. You guys are really strong in your faith. That's great. You guys are good in your speech. That's great. You guys are learning a lot. That's great. But you know what? There's one thing that also you need to really understand. As you grow in all these facets of your Christian life, do not forget... Be excellent givers. Isn't that amazing? 
sacrificial, joyful, generous, voluntary, and persistent giving as we serve one another translates to excellence. Not mediocre. Not, well, I think, yeah, it's okay. Because we don't want our giving to be known like that. You know, sometimes we go and look at our house. You know, we've moved so much. We look, oh, we don't need this. We don't need that. No, let's take it. You know, we'll take it to Value Village or whatever. Oh, no, wait, wait. Let's give it to the church first. You know, we're like, you know, we're so proud. Oh, yeah, this, this is it. Like, you guys take it. And people are like, oh, I don't know. This is really nice. Maybe you can sell it to me. Or, no, 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 just take it. And then they go, yeah, no, no, it's, are you sure? And then we go, yeah. And you know what we would say? Yeah, I don't need it. I was going to throw it out, but you can have it. Is that excellent giving? I mean, there's a place for that. Don't get me wrong. If you don't need your stuff, give it to people. That's great. But what I'm saying is this. Our giving cannot be characterized just by that. Where's the sacrifice in that? If I don't need it. It's going to go to the dump, so have it. I'm not going to help you if I'm going to be sacrificing something. I'm not going to do it. Oh, I'll wait. I'm going to help you when I need to throw something out. Until then, I can't. That's not excellent giving. Give when it hurts. That is how we grow in love with one another. Yeah, I have, I have suffered pain for my people. And I suffered it when I helped them out. Now, I wanted to wrap up by really making this personal. And as I make this personal, I want to introduce you to a couple of our really good friends. They're not here, but they're in the picture there. I want to introduce you today to our good friends, George and Gloria. George and Gloria live in BC. We used to live there. And they're special to us because to us, they are our Macedonians. Our excellent givers. We learned hospitality through them. We are who we are in our ministry of hospitality because of them. George and Gloria would have an open door policy to their house. Their neighbors, I don't know in in how many mile radius, would know who George and Gloria were. Because they could just go to their house, be fed, be fed, and be renewed if they have problems. They would invite people everywhere to come to their house. Invite your friends. Strangers would come to their house and would sit with them and eat with them. But you're probably thinking, well, what's so special about that? We can all do that. There's something special about that. They do all that under $1,000 a month. That's what their combined income was. And a big chunk of that went to rent. And they were still doing this. Not only that, George has fibromyalgia. I don't really understand what that is, but I understand. I'm not a doctor or anything. I understand that he was always in chronic pain and fatigue. It's not an excuse to him. It's a challenge. It's a sacrifice. And you can see Gloria. She could could not walk without a cane. She had severe arthritis. She could not even bend her knees. She could not bend. He could, she could barely bend her fingers. You should watch her cook. 
And then they and I were seeing this and we were like, we can totally do this, hon. Because of their sacrifice, because of their example. That is giving. That is service. That is sacrificial, joyful, generous, voluntary, persistent. That is excellence in service. That is excellence in giving. Today, this morning, I would like us to take this message to heart. We are not just each other's helpers. We are one another's slaves. Let us give of one another fully so that we may, we may show our love for one another. Thank you very much for your time.